Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, as you've been hearing, uh, the hope is, of course, uh, that there will be some easing of uh, restrictions uh, from Tuesday of uh, next week. And if not, well, there's many reasons uh, for that. Ain't to leader Patrick Tobin says it's the government's fault. And he's on the line. And a uh, very good morning to you. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, why do you say this is uh, the fault of government or the failure of government? Well, first of all, we've said that it is a very difficult situation for any government. And, you know, it's it's a brand new illness. It's very hard to work out the behavior of this particular illness. Uh, and it's very hard to re-engineer society to try and resolve this. So w- we do understand that this is a difficult situation. But we we definitely also believe that the government have made mistakes. Um, I've been on your show before with regards to flights from Italy, from uh, people circulating who came back from holidays uh, from those uh, countries to flights arriving uh, from other countries with seasonal workers. Uh, there have been mistakes made. And one of the biggest problems we have seen so far is the uh, testing issue. Now, you know, everybody knows at this stage that testing is key to beating this. The, the WHO has said that mm. we need to test, test, test. We need to test every suspected case. And when they test positive, we need to test people that they have been in contact with in the previous days. And if we can do that level of testing, uh, on the virus, mm. as it moves through society, we really have a chance to suppressing it. And so therefore, the cost of not testing properly is an, an elongated uh, lockdown, which has a, an emotional and health and, and financial cost. And also the disease remaining within society and the, the lives being lost uh, as a result. So way back in March 15th... But we're carrying out 60,000 tests a week. Uh, I mean, the public health officials are telling us that that's a remarkable achievement to have reached that level at this stage. It was a remarkable undertaking and a remarkable achievement now. We're not actually carrying out 60 tests a week. We're carrying out an average of 6,000 tests a day, which is a lower figure than that again. Because um, I, I met with the leaders of the political party and the CMO yesterday, and I actually put that quest to them. So the, the first instance here is that uh, Simon Harris promised that we would have 15,000 no. tests a day way back in mid-March. And now we're being told that it'll be mid-May, so another uh, 15 to 20 days before we will actually reach that 15,000 number. Uh, we have a capacity, believe it or not, of 10,000 tests a day. Um, but we're not using that capacity. Um, so it's not, a, it's not the fact that they're testing reagents that are still very hard to get. Mm. It's, it's not that the capacity is, is a break on testing. Mm. It's government policy now that's a break on testing. Just back up a minute. You said we're testing 6,000 people a day. Yes. This is, there's a, there's that's 36,000 a, 30, 30, a week. 
of uh, 6,000 uh, people a day is the, the level of testing. So that's 42,000. 42,000 a week, sorry, yes. 42,000 mm. uh, tests uh, a week is well, what we're testing now at the moment. Well, that's, so, at, that's completely at odds at what Dr. Killian de Gascon has said. Well, it, the funny thing is, uh, in all of this, it depends who you ask. Is depends what kind of answers you get. Because I was in two meetings yesterday. Well, Killian de Gascon is uh, the head of uh, the expert advisory group, isn't he? Uh, I, spoke, uh, I spoke to the head of the HSE yesterday on, mm, on this, Michael. And, and he has said 60,000, but I think it's important, uh, and I mean, one of the figures is wrong, but I, I think sure. it's important to put out what uh, Killian de Gascon has said, which is that it's 60,000 a week at the moment, that it'll be 70,000 next week, uh, and that in the coming weeks, into May at some stage, it'll be ramped up to 100,000. OK, I, I don't want to get into it, and you're right, no, no, not to get into a no, no, he said, she said situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the information that I have is directly from the CMO, and it's directly from the, uh, the HSC, and they have told me that there's an average of testing at 6,000 a day, which would, if, if that is un- happening, uh, it will be 42,000 a week, which is less than half of where we need to be. The government's objectives themselves has said 100,000 tests are necessary to make mm. sure that we can get ahead of this virus uh, within the community mm. and suppress this. Uh, and I understand that there were real difficulties with regards trying to get hands-on testing reagents for weeks, which obviously slow down the process. Around uh, the world. Around the world, absolutely. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I laid no mm. blame in the government during in that period of time. But what startled me last week was when I was in these meetings, I found out that the uh, capacity had ridden, risen to 10,000. But actually, the, last week, the level of average testing was about 5,000 a day. And my instinct in this, and the instinct of anybody who's trying to fight this, is you should be sweating your assets. You should be using all of your capacity currently to try and battle this. And it, it's not just in testing that we're not using capacity. In the private hospitals currently, only 33% of hospital beds are being utilized. Now, I know of lots of people who are ringing me up and saying, Patter, uh, you know, we are um, avoiding hospital at the moment because we're afraid to go into it because mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to pick up COVID. Um, I know of a hospital recently that sent out 60 applications or 60 invites mm-hmm. for colonoscopy mm-hmm. to uh, patients and only four people actually attended mm. those colonoscopy appointments. Indeed, we heard you tell the doll that story last week and we just heard from a man who's afraid to go to his warfarin clinic. Uh, that is why there's so few people attending hospitals. Sure. So we have a crisis with regards to hospital avoidance in this country also, which means, and, and doctors have told me that they haven't uh, diagnosed a person with with cancer uh, in in over a month, which would be very abnormal for them. So a whole lot of really serious illnesses are actually getting missed at the moment uh, from diagnosis. And we know that if you have delayed diagnosis, you have delayed treatment, and if delayed treatment, you have delayed your worst outcomes in the end of the day. So what AIM2 is simply saying to the government... Okay, and uh, just just to explain... Sorry, sorry, Peter, but just to explain that, I think the point you're making about uh, the private hospitals is that they now are contracted to the public system so they can't see private patients who may have cancer or other illnesses. Is well, that it's, it? it's, it's both in, yeah, in the fact okay. that uh, w- the state is also paying for the, these private hospital beds. Um, so we're paying for a hospital uh, occupancy level mm. of 33%. Now, all we're asking for the government to do is match the health needs with the capacity that exists and make sure that we start to make, you know, 
through public uh, information announcements and campaigns mm. and also by by you know talking to patients making sure that people are accessing and their their services and and their appointments and their procedures. Yeah, but in some ways you're complaining about the success of the public health policies uh, which come on the advice of the public health officials uh, that are being implemented by the government, but it has been successful. Uh, And because there hasn't been the surge and because we have flattened the curve, it means that the space, the capacity in the private hospitals, indeed in the public hospitals that was expected, is now not needed. What I'm saying to you is this, that we have successfully, as you say, re-engineered the hospital service to provide extra capacity uh, that we felt that might be needed during this particular crisis. Now, obviously, we know from the figures that there is a, a, uh, a empty bed situation right across the health service, that doctors are, are seeing their numbers uh, crash, uh, etc., around mm. the country. So what I'm saying at this stage... We can't work on the previous figures. Mm. We have to re-engineer to match capacity and need now. To to recognise how how successful government and public health policy has been. I mean, you're doing an awful lot of giving out without uh, commending the effort that has been put in place, which has been been reflected by the people who are listening to you now who have complied with all of this. Uh, And now you're saying that they should be able to go out uh, because the government's failure. But the the government has been pretty successful and it's too simplistic to say that it it is down to uh, not, not enough testing taking place because it's been made clear that it's got to do with the amount of people who are in intensive care, the amount of people who are in hospital beds uh, anyway, uh, and uh, the number of clusters, particularly in nursing homes. What I'm saying to you is this. There was a, 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 a actions by the government to increase the level of capacity in the hospital service, and that was welcome for sure. But right now, it doesn't match the level of need. And a, an empty bed is no use to anybody, Michael, and thousands of empty beds are no use to anybody, especially when you have a situation where so many people are actually going without health care services. Now, it's, it's reckoned currently that mm. if you look at the excess deaths that are happening in this country, half of those excess deaths are down to confirmed COVID cases. And there could be some more of those excess mm. deaths that are down to COVID-19. Okay, but some but of those deaths might be filled. Let me finish the sentence, please, mm. just because it, it is important. Mm. Um, it, but the point of the matter is there are deaths now happening in the country because mm. people are not getting the timely um, uh, health care service that they need. But surely the, at, at the message point, surely the message is that people should go for their appointments. I, I mean, some of those beds would be filled with patients, would they not, had they attended for their colonoscopy that they didn't attend, the 60 people that you were well, talking about a moment there, ago. There are two things. First of all, there's a, a, a massive amount of hospital treatments that have been cancelled so far, and that has to be reversed. We need to start changing the situation where there's um, so many hospital treatments being cancelled. And secondly, yes, you're right. We need a government information campaign to tell people that where they have a serious condition, a serious illness that needs um, uh, treatment right now, they should not be skipping the, uh, the appointments that they have. They should be attending the hospitals uh, to make sure that that gets done. But we haven't seen that level of public information campaign uh, around the country. An actual fact, in my view, it's still the government policy to leave that capacity there. Maybe in their view that that capacity might be needed in the future if there is an increase uh, again in the, the, the level of suspected uh, COVID cases in the country. But the, the key here is 
we need to match capacity with need. And in both those situations, both in the, the hospital setting and in the testing set, set, setting, we have unused capacity. Unused capacity that would have a material difference on actually beating this um, um, this particular virus and actually suppressing it faster and allowing us to you know, emerge from this lockdown in, in a, a faster period of time, which would have less cost to society, both financially and through lives as well. And there's absolutely no way that the weeks are passing while this capacity is not being used. Uh, and we in to have been one of the few political parties that have said, use the capacity that exists now in testing. Test, test, test is the only way to get through this. And, you know, I laugh because when I listen to the Minister for Health, he tells us about how much capacity that exists with regards to testing. But capacity unused is no use to anybody. It's absolutely useless. We need to make sure that it, there are people listening to your show today who have COVID, who have symptoms of COVID, but because they don't actually um, adhere to the criteria that's currently used, can't actually get a test. In mid-March, the government said that they were going to blanket test every single um, nursing home in the country. Here we are in, and nearly at the start of April, and they're not even through the first testing of all residents in nursing homes in the country. It's the slowness of the government to respond. We're not in normal times. We can't have normal HSC response times. We are in a wartime, and we need to make sure that actions are taken far faster. It shouldn't take two months to actually go into a, a nursing home and start testing residents in those nursing homes. It should take a matter of weeks to make it, that, that decision and to deliver it in the same level of time as well. All right, we'll leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Mead West TD is the leader of, Patrick Tobin is the leader of the AIN2 party. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.